Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Uh, we'll be hearing God's Word this morning from John chapter 7. Uh, I'll be reading verses 25 to 52. And this is, uh, this is really the second half of the story we began last week. Uh, last week we titled the sermon, Confrontational Jesus, because there was lots of conflict and controversy. Uh, I'll be honest, I debated that title last week because I knew that we were going to run into the same thing this week. And there continues to be lots of conflict and controversy. But I also didn't think you wanted me to read 50 verses all at once last week, so I split it into two. Um, but this week, while there continues to be conflict and controversy, there's something beautiful that comes in the middle. And you probably didn't notice this necessarily, but both the call to worship and the confession of, and the assurance of pardon this morning, uh, as God assures us of his grace, both of them had a lot to do with water. And what I want you to hear in the middle of the conflict and controversy here, where there is that, and where we come with our doubt and uncertainty, and Jesus comes and says, water. And what does this water do for us? So listen and hear God's word from John chapter 7, starting at verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David? and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was. So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, 
Why did you not bring him in? Bring him. The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this, your son Jesus spoke this word so many years ago. We thank you that it was written down and preserved for us, that Jesus' words then could be his words for us today. Would you take this word and sink it deep into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit? that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, today and in days to come. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I don't know how well you know your ancient Egyptian history, and if we're being honest, I, I don't know my ancient Egyptian history that well either, so if I get this wrong, just tell me later, but don't hold it against me. So here's, but here's what, I, what I'm told about ancient Egypt. You know, the Nile River flows north from Ethiopia, south of Egypt, from the highlands, and it flows north through the land of Egypt. And it has flown this way, gone this way for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. The Nile River, back in ancient times, before they started putting dams on it, also would flood every year. And, every, and it was so predictable as the snow melted from the highlands and all the water came up and it would just, it would come through and it would flood the land of Egypt. Every year, starting about June, they set their calendar by it. As soon as they saw the floodwaters pile up in the south, they're like, flood's coming and it's coming north. And what they figured out they could do is they actually, this was like thousands of years ago. They took the floodwaters and they diverted them off the Nile River and they stored them up in these basins to the side of the Nile, and they would keep them there for like a month and a half, like 45 days, and then they would let them go back down the river. And these lands became fertile. All the basins around the Nile, and they would plant. They had like three months then that they had to do all their planting and harvesting because the water had come through and brought life. And the rest of the year, it was dry. They could not farm that land but they could produce so much food. I saw that they thought that they could sustain a population in Egypt of anywhere from 2 million to 12 million people because the Nile produced, brought that much water and brought that much life into a land that was otherwise dry and desert. And when I read here in John chapter 7, when Jesus talks about rivers of living water, I think this has got to be the kind of thing that he's talking about. And I'm not saying Jesus is thinking about the Nile, though you never know. He did go down to Egypt, so he may know something of it. But still, this idea that rivers of living water, that water brings life into dry and dusty places. Without water, there is no life. But water also brings a lot of challenge. Water does not come exactly where we want it to come, especially back then. You know, now we think we can control everything with pipes and irrigation and all, and we do sometimes, but not always. Uh, but when water comes, it, it comes sometimes with terror. A flood is a terrifying thing. It drives out everything in its path. 
And yet that's what we need for life. So there's this beautiful picture of rivers of living water, rushing water. That's when, when they say living water, it's both water that moves. That's the sense of living as opposed to still water, but also water that brings life. And so in the midst of this, this conflict and controversy, the way this passage is set up, most of what you read is argument. Who is this man? What's he doing? Well, we believe in him. He's doing miracles. No, he can't come from Galilee. Where does he come from? What's he talking about? We see controversy at the beginning. We see controversy at the end. But right in the middle, we get Jesus stepping up. And it, it says it explicitly. Verse 37, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is on the last day of the feast. Everybody's there. There's been all this discussion. Jesus is like, look, water. It's as if he just sent a flood of water coming through that place, even though he just did it with words. But the question and the challenge for us is, what do we do when we see this flood of water coming? Because so often we get caught up in the problem of the crowd. that They're not quite sure what to think of this Jesus, and they have all these questions. Or we get caught up in the problem of the Pharisees and the leaders who are opposed to him. And they say, no, this does not fit. This cannot be right. No prophet can come out of Galilee. I mean, racist much? Um, but, but at the same time, that, that they thought that they knew their scriptures. He's supposed to come from Bethlehem. And Jesus was this guy from Galilee. Like, who, we don't know what's, what's going on. And so they opposed him. We either were confused, dry in our doubts and uncertainty in the ways we've been hurt, or we're angry and opposed to Jesus. And we see this flood water coming. We're like, no, 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 not the flood. We don't want the flood. And yet the call for us here is to realize that this flood of Jesus, as much as it may bounce us around, as much as it may have make us change our ideas about things, as much as it is disorienting to us, this flood of Jesus is the only life that we can find. That Jesus offers the only living water. And that living water that Jesus offers, this is not just some abstract idea, but specifically, it says in verse 39, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. The Holy Spirit. This is what we need. This is the only source of life. The only source of life is Jesus coming to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that as we pray every Sunday gives us the benefits of Christ's work. The Holy Spirit who is God who remains among us. As Jesus was glorified, when Jesus went up to heaven, he said, here is the Holy Spirit. That's where life comes from. And yet, will we take it? What will we do with it? What does it look like to take, to take in that Holy Spirit? What does it look like to take in the flood of Jesus and to let that be a source of life and hope for us? What is Jesus telling us to do here? It's very simple. Verse 38 again. Whoever believes in me. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look at all of our questions, all of our doubts, all of our own ideas about how we want life to work, the ways we think God should do it, the way that God, why would God let this happen or let that happen? Why would God make my life so difficult? Sometimes it's in the big things. There's a war in Ukraine. Why would God allow that to happen? Sometimes it's in the little things. Why am I sick? Why this injury? Sometimes it's in the really trivial things. Why can't I find a parking space? I mean, 
it does, you wonder that though, like, really, God, I'm going to try to do good and I can't, come on. We just don't, we don't get it. And we've got to look at all of our things from the little things to the big things and look at all and say, I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to trust that this flood of life that is washing over me is somehow for my good, is somehow for the good of the world. And that in its path, as I bounce around some, there will be new life that grows. So Jesus is the one that offers the only living water, the living water of his spirit. That's the main thing about God. The main thing we need to do is that we must believe in him. But what does that look like? I think if we look deeper into this, we see three aspects of what it means, of what Jesus is talking about to believe in him. And they're nice and simple. It's just three words. It's no, drink, and share. We have to know the living water of the Spirit. We have to drink the living water of the Spirit. And we have to share the living water of the Spirit. Know, drink, share. First, we have to know the living water of the Spirit. We have to know that this is what we need. See, this was the problem here. They all had, they had their questions. They said in verse 27, but we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. And Jesus says in verse 28, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. So what Jesus is saying here is you're all caught up with knowledge. He says this to them and he says this to a lot of us too. You're caught up trying to figure this out. You think you, think you need to know everything and you're right that you need to know, but what you need to know is Jesus. Not just some things about Jesus, not just where he comes from, but you need to know Jesus. And it can seem so complicated looking at this big book and so many things that seem confusing. But kids, kids, I have a new word for you. And your parents are going to listen too, but they might forget and I want you to remember. It starts with a P and the word is perspicuity. Can you say perspicuity? Perspicuity. It's kind of a big word. It's kind of a weird word. Does anybody know what perspicuity means? Nobody? Perspicuity is a great word. Perspicuity is a word that means that things are clear. That things are clear. And here's where we use the word perspicuity. I've only ever heard it used when talking about theology and talking about the Bible. But we say about, we talk about the perspicuity of the Bible. And here's what it says. It says this in one of our old, in, in one of our, our documents, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which I'm not sure I've ever quoted on a Sunday morning before. But so now we get perspicuity and the Westminster Confession of Faith all in one morning. You're, it's a treat, I tell you. But in the Westminster Confession of Faith, this is beautiful. It says in the first chapter of this document that was written in the 17th century, to, give, to kind of explain the teaching of the Bible and define it. It says, all th after it's affirmed that Scripture is the Word of God, it says, all things in Scripture are not equally clear. That's, that's an understatement, right? But the things that we need to know for salvation are sufficiently clear that anybody may figure them out, whether learned or unlearned. Whoever you are, 
however much you understand, however much you can comprehend, how much you can remember in your head, whether you can read or not read. Back then when they said learn it or unlearn it, that's basically what they meant. Could you read or not? And even people who can't read at all, even people who can't understand many things very well, can't remember very well, can know what is necessary for salvation. Because the Bible is clear that what we need to know is Jesus. We need to know Jesus. We need to trust Jesus. We need to love Jesus. That is clear. And so as much as we should seek knowledge of all things and continue to understand and question and debate and discuss, we can't ever lose sight that the, liver, the rivers of living water start from a basic knowing of Jesus and putting our faith in him, saying, Jesus, you're it. I want to know you and I want to trust you. I believe that I have sinned and disobeyed you. I believe that you forgive my sins. And because you died on the cross to forgive my sins, I believe that I will live with you forever in heaven. That's it. That's all you need to know. That is the core of everything. And with the, the Spirit comes in, and we begin to experience life and growth from that first bit of knowledge. So first, we know. We start with the simple knowledge of Jesus and His Spirit who loves us and forgives us of our sins and gives us eternal life. But then we must drink. We must drink. What good does it do if all this water rushes by and we don't pick up a glass and drink deeply? But it's fascinating, right? Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty, this is verse 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink and drink. Not know. We do need to know that, right? But this is not just about knowledge. Not about figuring things out. Not about having the right answers. But about drinking deeply. What happens when we drink? What we take into our body changes us. right? If you take a glass of cold water and you drink it, you feel it going down. You know it's in you. And oftentimes, if you're thirsty... Like, I'm thirsty right now. Some of you are going to start to be able to tell soon that I'm thirsty and I need a drink. And if, I'm, if I take a drink, I can feel the effects instantly. My body feels refreshed. And it's the same way when we drink deeply of Jesus, is we feel refreshed. We feel changed. We take him into our body. What does that mean? Okay, great, drink, thirsty, drink. Well, in a few minutes here, we're going to come to this table, and we're literally going to take a drink of Jesus and we're gonna taste it going down and know that Jesus is in us, that Jesus loves us. But it's not just the bread and the cup here, the cup that we literally drink on Sunday mornings. It's also the way we spend our time. When we spend time in God's word, reading it for knowledge, yes, but also simply for time, to spend time with Jesus. If you spend time with somebody that you love, Sometimes it doesn't even matter what you're doing or how you're talking or what you're saying or anything. You're just with them. And their presence is refreshing to you. And the time is enjoyable. We spend time with Jesus. We drink him in deeply in his word. We drink him in in this act of worship. This act of worship. What, what are we doing here in worship? I said this in a resurrection weekly a couple weeks ago. Why go to church? What's the point? Better music elsewhere. No offense, Philip, Bonnie Jean. But yeah, there's better music elsewhere. Better preaching somewhere else. Better inspiring talks. 
more people, friendlier people. I mean, our, we're pretty good, right? We're nice, but, but there's other things that can be more entertaining, more enjoyable. But why go to church? Because in worship, we drink deeply of Jesus in ways that we don't understand. What did worship do for you today? I don't know. I don't know what I learned. I don't know what difference. I didn't have like eyes, you know, light bulbs go off, but I drank deeply of Jesus and I feel refreshed. We come, we drink of Jesus in the Lord's Supper, in his word, in worship, in prayer, as we turn to him. We say, Jesus, how can I get through this? What do I need? I need the spirit. I need your spirit. That's where the power comes from. That's where the life comes from. It comes from the Spirit. So we know, we drink. But here's possibly the coolest thing about all this, and you may have missed it. In just reading over this quickly, you hear, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, he receives the, heart, the, the flow of living water. No, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say anyone who comes to me receives a flow of living water into himself. It says... Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of, his, out of the one who believes in him. Did you catch that? The water, the living water is not just something we receive as we believe in Jesus. It is something that flows out of us. This is life that does not just refresh us. This is life that overflows. As we know Jesus, as we know the Holy Spirit, as we drink deeply of him, that life overflows. The river of life, the river that comes from God's throne, the river that watered the Garden of Eden in the beginning, the river that flows out of the temple when Ezekiel had his vision of the temple, the river in Revelation that is the river of life with the tree of life for the healing of the nations. It's living water. And God's, Jesus says, right now, it is going to flow out of the hearts of his people. This is not just something for us to take in. This is something for us to share. We know, we drink, and we share. And if we are filled up on Jesus, we cannot help but overflow. It's as if you take the glass, and I didn't have a chance to bring my glasses with me, but I would have loved to have a glass here. You'll just have to imagine. And you pour that water into the glass, and you pour and keep pouring and pouring. It just overflows everywhere. So not only do you have one glass to drink, but everybody else can come and fill their glass as well with the water of Jesus that flows out of his people. How do we meet Jesus? We meet Jesus through his people. We meet Jesus through, why do we go to church? Why do we enter into a community? Why do we become members of a church and some people are gonna become members here next week? Why do we do that? Because that's where we get Jesus. Because out of each one of us who has put our faith in Jesus flow rivers of living water. So we do not, look, we look to receive this from other people. We look for Jesus in the hands and the feet and the words and the faces of those around us. And then we look to offer Jesus to others. As we drink deeply of him, as we fill ourselves up with the spirit, we say, Jesus, where can I take your spirit today? Who can I pray for that I can give your spirit that it may be living water flowing out of me? Who can I share with? Who can I share my stuff with? My money, my time. Who can I share my truth with? The things you have taught me that I can share with other people. 
Who can I offer this living water to? Wherever we go, however we walk, we are people that are filled up with water. Thank you, Jordan. Living water. Living water. We are filled up with the water that comes from the Spirit. So the main thing that we need to know is that even in the midst of our dry and dusty land, when we are confused and doubting and uncertain, the flood is coming. Jesus gives us the flood. It may be painful. It may be disorienting but it is bringing life. And if we take that life into ourselves with simple faith in Jesus, praying that we may drink him in more deeply and pour that out to other people. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you give us your spirit. We thank you that you refresh us with new life. Father, would you give us more of the Holy Spirit? Would you give us more of this new life that we may be filled up and refreshed in the dryness and dust that we feel, that we may overflow with life to share with one another and with the world around us. Jesus, come. Spirit, come. Work in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.